In the heart of the 1980s, Bangkok wasn't just hot. It was a sweltering furnace. The relentless April sun scorched the streets of this bustling tropical metropolis, turning its vibrant wet markets into a challenging battleground for preserving fresh goods. With limited refrigeration, piles of produce wilted under the fierce Thai sun. As the day wore on, a pungent sour tang began to permeate the air, tainting the lively ambience of the markets. For most of Thailand, this was a mere inconvenience. But for CP Group, it posed a critical crisis. This overpowering odor was not only deterring customers, but also casting doubts about the freshness of their products. CP had invested heavily in developing a comprehensive vertical food system. And now, as they were on the cusp of realizing their vision, they faced a significant setback, all because of an inconvenient smell. It was a crucial juncture for Danin and his team. Either conquer the smell or watch their aspirations wither. In their quest for a solution, a glimmer of hope emerged from an unlikely source, the Netherlands. SHV Holdings, known for their distribution arm Macro, specialized in wholesale food logistics. Their innovative cash-and-carry model, which involved supplying food directly to restaurants, retailers, and markets for immediate payment, seemed like the perfect solution to CP's dilemma. Perhaps by dotting Thailand with a few of these innovative macro stores, CP could say goodbye to the smell. However, life, much like a market, is bustling, unpredictable, and sometimes resistant to change. Initially, SHV rejected the proposal. Thailand's economic narrative was still unfolding, and to SHV, the macro model seemed overly ambitious for the Thai market. Undeterred, Danin embarked on a crucial journey to SHV's headquarters, determined to negotiate in person. This decision marked a significant turning point. By 1988, Bangkok welcomed Asia's first-ever cash-and-carry store. Initially, SHV's apprehensions appeared justified as the newly launched macro stores encountered skepticism from the public. However, an unforeseen ally emerged. The weather. Authorities in Thailand are calling on residents in Bangkok to stay indoors as extreme heat warnings are issued throughout Southeast Asia. Record-breaking temperatures are contributing to increased pressure on energy. In the year preceding the store's opening, Thailand experienced a notable increase in average surface temperatures, a trend that persisted relentlessly. As temperatures soared, so did the demand for well-refrigerated products, a direct consequence of the escalating heat. Not only would macro succeed under CP, but they would eventually expand into convenience stores and supermarkets, becoming one of the largest distributors in Thailand. From 1UP Media, this is Empires, Episode 5 of a five-part series, Tom Yam Kung Crisis.
Sharon Pokapan's distribution network is vast, encompassing approximately 13,000 7-Eleven stores and nearly 3,000 Lotus-branded hypermarkets, supermarkets, and mini-markets. This extensive reach positions them as the largest distributor by touchpoints. According to their corporate reports, this network is poised for even further expansion. The distribution arm of CP has recently emerged as a crucial second pillar of the business. This strategic move will create synergies with their integrated food business, shifting the focus from retail customers to direct interactions with consumers. In tandem with this expansion, CP is also strengthening its telecommunications division. Through TrueCorp, they provide coverage to 99% of Thailand, serving around 55 million subscribers, which accounts for over half of the nation's population. But going back a bit, from the 1980s to the end of the century, CP would undergo a period of remarkable growth and diversification adding a multitude of businesses to its portfolio. However, this expansion is not without its challenges. The company's aggressive growth strategy was heavily reliant on debt financing, a factor that becomes critically exposed during the 1997 Asian financial crisis. This phase in CP's history marks the beginning of an intricate journey, one that starts with Southland Corp and unfolds into a complex tale of expansion, synergy, and financial reckoning. It's the mid-1980s, and CP was doing well. The cash-and-carry outlets that it opened in Thailand were drawing restaurants and retailers all around. Dan and himself, however, was excited for another reason he was going to meet Southland Corp. Before 1991, they were the original owners of 7-Eleven, right before the Japan team took over. It was likely the early 1980s. The air conditioner hums as it battles Bangkok's tropical heat. Inside, both John and Jared Thompson, executives from Southland Corp, could still smell the aromatic spices of street food sweat, and the faint scent of urban smog. Seated across the meeting room was Danin, and both parties were expecting a tough conversation. Over the past few days, if not weeks, Danin and the two Thompson brothers had been debating if Thailand would be a suitable location to open the first 7-Eleven store. Facing a cold response, Danin figured inviting both the brothers to Bangkok might turn things around. Danin begins. Gentlemen, despite Thailand's modest per capita income, the potential for 7-Eleven here is significant. The brothers shot each other a knowing look. They came prepared. Mr. Danin, our model targets economies with higher spending power. I'm not convinced Thailand is a viable market for us. The financial risk seems too substantial. Your city is lively, yes, but our success in the States hinges on economic indicators that Thailand presently mm, lacks. Right, but Bangkok's quite different. 
because our population is dense and the urban folks would love convenience from 7-Eleven. One of the brothers likely shook his head slightly. Maybe he shouldn't have agreed to come to Bangkok. Conversations were stale. Perhaps, seeing his brother's frustration, the other stepped in, aiming to settle the matter definitively. Mr. Dannett, our stance is clear. We believe Thailand isn't ready for such an investment. The risks outweigh the benefits, and we can't justify shouldering potential losses. However, if you're willing to bear the risk yourself, we'll support the introduction of 7-Eleven here. Yes, I'll bear the risk. This response likely caught everyone off guard. According to a source from CP's Future Leader Development Program, this pivotal decision to launch 7-Eleven in Thailand was made despite doubts from the U.S. team, who believed it wouldn't be a viable venture. The crux of their argument hinged on Thailand's relatively low GDP per capita, which they assumed wouldn't suffice to cover operational costs like rent and labor. Initially, it seemed the U.S. team's reservations were well-founded. The average spending per customer at the newly opened Thai 7-Eleven stores paled in comparison to their American counterparts. Even with lower labor cost and rent in Thailand, they would need a large volume of customers to make a profit. And the first 7-Eleven achieved that. It was strategically located in Patpong, a bustling area in the heart of Bangkok that was not just familiar to Thais, but well-known to tourists as well. It was a location that was as active at night as it was during the day. And consequently, customers just kept streaming in. And while each individual customer did spend less, the sheer number of visitors was astounding. Estimates suggested the Thai store experienced nearly 10 times the customer traffic compared to its American counterparts. The 7-Eleven outlet in Patpong rapidly evolved into a familiar and popular destination, paving the way for widespread expansion across Thailand and other parts of Asia. For many Thais, visiting a 7-Eleven became a part of their daily routine offering the simple pleasures of discovering new products or snagging a good deal. Today, an astounding 12 million consumers in Thailand frequent 7-Eleven stores daily. Back in 1989 and through the 90s, CP would also enter into supermarkets with a chain named Lotus, building a full-fledged distribution from wholesale supermarkets, and convenience stores all across Thailand. Amidst this rapid expansion, Danon received an unexpected phone call. It was a representative of Thailand's new prime minister. Thailand's telecommunications sector was about to experience an upheaval, and the CP group was expected to participate. Until the 1980s, Thailand's utilities, including its telephone services, were predominantly government-run monopolies. The Telephone Organization of Thailand, or TOT, was the sole provider of the nation's phone services during this period. However, the 1980s marked a global shift towards enhanced connectivity, and it became increasingly clear that Thailand risked 
falling behind. A telling sign was the lengthy wait for phone service installations, sometimes stretching over a year. It was a scenario calling out for urgent reform. Enter 1988, and with it, the rise of Prime Minister Chachai Chunhawan. His tenure brought a refreshing mantra, transforming the region from a battlefield into a marketplace. Chunhawan's vision? To mold Thailand into a beacon of peace and economic growth, a strategy that involved pulling in foreign investments and kickstarting major infrastructure projects. One key focus for Chunhawan was the telecommunications sector. His method wasn't to privatize it outright, but to revitalize its operational model. His innovative approach led to the introduction of Build Operate Transfer, or BOT, contracts in Thailand, a concept quite new to the country at the time. Here's how BOT worked. Private entities were tasked with building the needed infrastructure. Once set up, these facilities would shift to state ownership. Then, the companies would begin their operations. It was a clever compromise. The government kept control over crucial infrastructure, but the mechanics still encouraged competition and innovation. This new phase in telecommunications caught the eye of major international players from the United Kingdom, Germany, France, and beyond, who saw a goldmine in Thailand's untapped market. The implications were significant, not only for Thailand's growth, but potentially as a model for boosting telecommunications in other less connected parts of Asia. However, the sector's national significance meant that Thai companies were expected to be key players. And so, the call was made to CP Group and Siam Cement Group. CP executives, accustomed to ventures in the food industry, were taken aback by the sheer scale of the telecommunications project, reflected in the massive deposit required. Telecommunications was different from pig farms and slaughterhouses. Yet the 1980s was an exciting time for Thai businesses. Debt was becoming increasingly accessible, and CP, fattened by debt, threw their proposal into the ring. Surprisingly, Siam Cement Group, for reasons only known to them, decided to bow out, leaving CP to secure the concession for building fixed-line phone services. On November 13, 1990, CP Telecommunication Company Limited was established. But here's where their luck runs out. Venturing into this new domain, CP found that their expertise in food production offered little leverage. It was only through strategic partnerships with Western companies that they gradually found their footing. In the ensuing years, Fueled by a combination of international collaborations and sheer grit, CP began laying the first landlines in Bangkok and its surrounding areas. Thankfully, their efforts didn't go unnoticed by the government, which eventually awarded them the right to be the first internet service provider in Thailand. Things seemed to be looking up, but amidst the buzz of construction and development, CP overlooked a crucial aspect of telecommunications, mobile phone services. 
And as fate would have it, mobile phones were about to take the world by storm. Two companies, Advanced Info Service, or AIS, and Total Access Communication, were quick to seize this burgeoning opportunity. Meanwhile, CP would take a lengthy five years to realize the opportunity they had missed. During this era, CP did make notable strides in improving landline installation speeds. By the 1990s, metropolitan areas saw phone lines being installed within just a week of application, a stark contrast to the delays of the past. However, CP's oversight in the mobile phone sector cost them dearly. AIS emerged as the new frontrunner in telecommunications, relegating CP despite their advantage. And while this was a tough lesson for CP, it would soon pale in comparison to a looming challenge. Unbeknownst to many, a financial tempest was brewing. The onset of the Asian financial crisis was about to reshape the economic landscape. In the late 1980s through the mid-1990s, Thailand transformed into a hotbed for private investments. Its workforce was an ideal blend of young, skilled, and cost-effective labor, fostering a conducive environment for business. Additionally, export-oriented businesses benefited from generous tax rebates. This period saw the manufacturing sector soar, propelling the Thai economy to record double-digit growth rates. However, this accelerated growth also opened the doors to a risky financial strategy. More on that a bit later. Since 1963, the Thai baht had been pegged to the U.S. dollar, a stability that was advantageous for international businesses operating in Thailand. For Thai companies, this fixed exchange rate made it appealing to borrow internationally, especially given the country's rapid economic growth. The rationale was simple. If growth outpaced the interest on the debt, effectively, it was like receiving free money. This opportunity led to the sudden emergence of numerous financial institutions. Astonishingly, 46 banks were established during this time, providing funding to various businesses, predominantly in infrastructure projects. And CP Group, like many others, capitalized on this model, enjoying a period of prosperity. And now we go back to the risky financial strategy. Thai companies, embracing this debt-driven expansion model, soon found themselves over-leveraged. And their accumulating debt soon caught the eye of speculative investors. Among them, George Soros, who would become notorious for his aggressive selling of the Thai bot. Despite a determined effort by the Thai government to protect its currency, the challenge proved too great. On July 2nd, 1997, they were forced to let the bot float freely, marking the onset of the Asian financial crisis. The bat was floating, and its value dropped by as much as 20% to a record low then. The wave of currency devaluation swept across Asia. Thailand, more than any other nation in Asia, felt the brunt of this crisis. Locally, 
its rapid, spicy, and sour impact on the economy earned it a unique moniker, the Tom Yum Kung Crisis. In 1997, the baht's value plummeted instantly, losing half its strength against the dollar, effectively doubling the cost of repaying international debts. Many financial institutions crumbled under this pressure, leading to the collapse of over a dozen banks. Foreign investors and lenders, wary of the situation, began demanding early loan repayments, even from esteemed companies like CP. Danin recalls that among many banks, only HSBC extended their repayment terms, empathizing with their predicament. Faced with skyrocketing interest expenses and the pressure of early loan repayments, Danin was forced to make some tough decisions. To stabilize CP, he initiated a series of divestitures. This meant letting go of lucrative ventures in China including a successful motorcycle business and a well-established beer factory. Back home in Thailand, CP had to sell a substantial 75% stake in their supermarket chain Lotus to the British retail giant Tesco and their entire wholesale operation Macro back to the Dutch group SHV. From this tumultuous period, CP emerged leaner focusing on three core sectors, agribusiness, telecommunications, and retail, resembling the CP that we know today. Reflecting on past challenges in an interview, Danin Chiriwatnon shared a striking insight. He drew a parallel between the Chinese concept of crisis and CP Group's experiences during the Asian financial crisis. Interestingly, The Chinese word for crisis is comprised of two characters. One symbolizing risk and the other chance. The financial turmoil provided a moment for the team to pause and reevaluate their growth strategy. It was a chance to shift from relentless expansion to mindful, sustainable growth. Looking back, the early days of Danin's presidency at CP Group were marked by an unbridled pursuit of growth. The strategy was straightforward. Seize every opportunity, explore every potential business avenue. This approach, while successful, mirrored the rapid growth of the broiler chickens they had once imported. Fast, but perhaps unsustainably so. In hindsight, this period of reflection was pivotal. It wasn't just about growing fast. It was about growing right. Only through evolving their mindset could CP Group truly unlock the path to sustainable growth. By the mid-2000s, CP had weathered the worst of the crisis and embarked on a trajectory of strong, stable growth marking much of the next decade. The journey wasn't without its trials. CP endured bird flu outbreaks global financial crises and the political turbulence of Thailand each challenge honed the resilience and determination of Danin and his leadership team yet amidst these triumphs a looming question persisted could an unforeseen challenge eventually topple cp this concern led to strategic alliances in 2013 with itochu and in 2015 with sidic 
both giants in their respective fields. By acquiring stakes in each other, they forged a formidable tripartite alliance, combining their strengths. Impressively, the combined assets of these three conglomerates neared the total GDP of Australia. With this newfound stability, observers and industry experts began to speculate about CP's future endeavors. What path would this giant take in the upcoming decade? It's a challenging question, but Danin Chirawatnon, ever ambitious, has never been one to shy away from grand visions. In 2019, at the age of 80, Danin, now serving as the senior chairman of Charon Pokapand, published his biography in Thai. This book offered a rare insight into CP's ambitions for the next decade. His message to the world was clear and assertive. He proclaimed, In the business world, there are no boundaries. The world is our source of raw materials. The world is our market. And the best people in this world belong to CP. In our next series, we'll explore GoTo, a tech giant formed between the Uber of Indonesia, Gojek, and the Amazon of Indonesia, Tokopedia. Together, GoTo has rapidly transformed Indonesia, the fourth most populous country in the world. IPOs this year, Indonesian tech unicorn GoTo made a strong debut in Jakarta, a rough year for other Southeast Asia tech companies like... From 1UP Media, this is Empires. Episode 5 of a five-part series, Tom Yum Kung Crisis. Empires is a 1UP Media original, produced and written by Guangji, edited by Alex, audio experience by Ethan Sam, additional engineering by Ashley from 1UP Media, and narrated by Luis Cruz and Claire Bernal. International research by Sonia, Kuyet, and Jiamin from 1UP Media. A quick word on our reenactments and dramatizations. While we can't know exactly what they say, think, or feel at the moment, it is all based on research. Thank you for listening.